This is Trey Johnson, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen to this teaching. I pray that it empowers you, encourages you, and motivates you to know God and to be who He's created you to be. And how to fulfill your purpose. Why is it important for you to fulfill your purpose? Who is on God's heart whenever He's showing you things about yourself? Who is on God's heart when He shows you that vision, when He shows you that plan, when He shows you that dream? Why? Why Why are you, you wired the way that you're wired? Why? Has God dropped certain things in your heart and designed you to do certain things? Who is He thinking about? 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, not willing that any, any should perish, any, any of those people in our world, not any should perish, but that all, say all, all. should come to repentance. Now go with me to John chapter 3. That's to the left of where we're at. John chapter 3, verse 16, very familiar scripture. And it says, For God so loved the church the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Now go with me to Matthew chapter 28. The world. The world. There are people in your world that are on the heart of God, that God is wanting you to discover who you are, to be who you are, to fulfill your purpose, so you can reach those in the world. Who's on the heart of God? We are, but the world is. For God so loved the world. God doesn't want anyone to perish. So how is God going to reach the world? Is it just going to be through preachers? No, it's going to be through you. It's going to be through me. It's going to be through each and every one of us discovering our purpose and why we're here and why we're gifted the way we're gifted and why we're graced the way that we're graced. And in verse 18, Matthew 28, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, not stop, but go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things. And I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Now go to the right to Mark chapter 16. So he says, go. God doesn't want anyone to perish. Why do you need to fulfill your purpose? Why do you need to discover why you're here? Mark 16 verse 15, and he said, go, go into all the world. Notice he didn't say go to the church and preach to each other. 
Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And it goes on and you know what the rest of that says there. But why is it important for you to discover who you are? Because other people are always on the heart of God. And God has placed certain things in you that other people need. And their eternal salvation is dependent upon you being you and expressing Him. Now, don't get me wrong. Let's um, understand that God is big enough and God loves people enough that He will do whatever it takes to reach out to people. So if you're not willing to step up to the bat, He'll find somebody else to fill your place. But you, you don't want to miss being you just like I don't want to miss being me. Right? So why do I need to fulfill my purpose? Because other people are depending on you being you. That gift to come alive, that grace to come alive, that purpose to radiate out of you, for you to be at the right place at the right time, operating in your gifts, operating in your strengths. Other people are counting on you. But sometimes in the church, we lose sight of the world. We get so focused on us... And we lower the church to a bless me club or a social status or a welfare mindset. And that's not what the church is designed for. The church is designed to mature us and equip us and to create an environment for us to discover who God is and who we are so we can go out and we can make a difference in this world. That's one of the visions of this church is that we come in here and we are equipped we experience God, we're equipped, and we live an engaging life. But how many of you, if you were real with yourself, don't raise your hand, think, are walking in your purpose? You know, something I ask myself a lot when I'm at a rodeo or I'm uh, getting on a plane or... If money was no object, and you've heard this before, if money was no object, what would I be doing? And I can honestly say, I'm doing it. Now, I'm not walking in everything. I'm just tipping the iceberg. But we're walking in it. So I want to put it before you. Are you at least stepping in the direction that you need to be going to be who God has called and created you to be. Why do you need to fulfill your purpose? 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 Yes, it brings fulfillment to you. Yes, it brings satisfaction to you. Yes, it brings provision into your life. But other people are counting on you being who God has called and created you to be. And for too long in church, we've sat on the bench expecting somebody else to do it when God has anointed you and appointed you and appointed you to be who God has called and created you to be. There are people in your life that need what you have. So what are some things? What are some things that we can have in place? You know, one thing that I'm, I'm praying and I'm asking and I'm believing God for that if, if you were to take notes tonight and, and if you're not, I encourage you to take notes tonight that you could take this blueprint of tonight, and if you start applying the Word, that you start knowing God and start being you. If you just meditated on this for 21 days, if you just did this for a month, if you did it for two months, if you just started putting these things in place, that you would know God and you would be you. And you would be walking steps towards your purpose. Go with me to Matthew chapter 6. Very familiar scripture. Verse 33, this is a, a scripture that I've built my life on. And it says, but seek, say seek, seek. First, first, 
not second, not third, not tenth, not a hundredth, first, the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But seek, seek is an action word. Seek, aim at, strive for, go after, first, 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 first. Because sometimes we can hear these words in these scriptures so much that they become dull. And we go, oh, okay, uh, but are we doing it? His way of doing. And then, all these things shall be added. Go with me to John chapter 15. Please write that down. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first. How is that in your life? I'm going to keep going. You just write it down. How is it? How you doing? <laughs> John chapter 15, verse 1. I'm going to read out of the Amplified. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And any branch in me that does not bear fruit, that stops bearing, He cuts away, trims off, takes away, and He cleanses and repeatedly prunes every branch that continues to bear fruit to make it bear more richer, more excellent fruit. And you are cleansed and pruned already because of the word which I have given you, the teachings I have discussed with you. Dwell in me and I will dwell in you. Live in me and I will live in you. Just as no branch, no branch can bear fruit. No branch. Say no branch. No branch. Can bear fruit of itself without abiding in, being vitally united to the vine. Neither can you. Neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever lives in me, and I in him, bears much abundant fruit. However, apart from me, cut off from vital union with me, you can do nothing. If a person does not dwell in me, and he is thrown out like a broken off branch and withers, such branches are gathered up and thrown into the fire, and they are burned. You know, this morning I, uh, there was a, a mesquite between the barn and the house, and I I cut off this green mosquito. It was green, and I took it out to, to the brush pile, the burn pile. You know, the, the branch that was connected was still full of life, but the others that we had cut down just a few days ago, they were withered up and they were drying. Why? Because there was no life. And sometimes just life can cut us away because we get busy going here and doing this and doing that. That's why Jesus said, seek first. Why, did, why would he say such a thing? Because he knows where true life is. Life and life more abundantly. He knows where eternal life is. He knows where the life flow is to your mind. The life flow is to your heart. The life flow is to your emotion. And the enemy knows that too. So if he can get you cut away, and yes, you might be saved and you might be going to heaven, but are you abiding because that's where the life is. Are you abiding? Are you living? Are you dwelling in the Word of God? Are you latching your teeth into the strategies that come from this platform? How are you doing? Come on now. It's good. Verse 7, And if you live in me, abide vitally, united to me, and my words remain in you, and continue to live in your hearts, ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. When you bear and produce much fruit, my Father is honored and glorified, and you shall show and prove yourself to be true followers of mine. So you notice he talks about seeking. He talks about abiding. Go with me to Psalms 37. 
So if you were to, to put a number between 1 and 5, how would you be doing on your seeking? How would you be doing on your abiding? Psalms 37. Now these are just scriptures that are life-changing, that if you just start applying and having these in place, you discover more about God, but you also discover more about you. When you have the analogy of the vine and the branch, the same flow that's in God becomes the same flow that's in you. The same heartbeat in God becomes the same heartbeat that's in you. The same desires that are in God becomes the same desires that are in you. But it takes seeking. It takes abiding. It takes living. It takes remaining. It's about relationship with Almighty God. But He gives us, He brings these things down into our life and He just puts them out there for us and He says, if you'll just take a hold of these and you'll begin to apply them into your life, He says, you're going to produce fruit. You're going to begin to know about me and know about yourself and you'll begin to discover your strengths and your gifts and your talents and you'll begin to walk in your purpose if you're seeking. You'll begin to walk in your purpose if you're abiding. Psalms 37 verse 3. And it says, trust, lean on, rely on, be confident in the Lord and do good. And so shall you dwell in the land and feed surely on his faithfulness. And truly you shall be fed. Delight yourself also in the Lord. Notice verse 3 says, trust in the Lord. Number 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires and the secret petitions of your heart. So he says, trust in the Lord, delight in the Lord. See, Desire is the offspring of delighting. Whatever you delight in, it's going to produce an offspring of desire. If you delight in pornography, it's going to produce the desire of destruction and lust and all that stuff in your life. Delighting has an offspring and it's a desire, but it's either a good desire or bad desire. So if you delight in the Lord... He will give you the desires, just like the vine and the branch. The same desires that come from God begin to pump your heart. They begin to pump your heart. I know I've shared this before, but it bears repeating right here. I was out watering the horses one day, and I had this water trough... Because I was asking the Lord, Lord, how do I decipher you know, your desires and my desires? Because I had all these religious ideals and people that have told me, well, you can't, you know, you, you, you can't be successful and you, you can't have money and you can't do this and you can't do that. And, and so I'm, but that's contradicting what I'm seeing in the Word of God. And the Lord says, Trey, if you'll just keep, just like that water hose in that water trough, if you will keep my Word flowing in your heart, He says, all that moss and all that junk that's in your heart that's not of me, it's going to flow right out of what's going to be remaining is going to be my desires and he says if you abide in me remain in me live in me and I ask myself am I doing this ask yourself am I doing that and if I am then the same desires that are in him are going to be the same desires that are in me and, and right here he says now trust in the Lord he says delight in the Lord verse 5 and he goes on commit your way to the Lord roll and repose each care of your load on him Trust, lean on, rely on, and be confident also in Him. So verse 3, trust in the Lord. Number 4, delight in the Lord. Number 5, commit yourself, your way to the Lord. And He will. He will. He will bring it to pass. He will bring that desire to pass. He will bring that dream to pass. He will bring your purpose to pass. He will bring that vision to pass. Not he might, he will, he will, he will. 
bring His promises to pass. He will bring it to pass. You know God is for you being who God has called and created you to be. God wants you to fulfill your purpose. God wants you to walk in your dream. God wants you to do everything He's created you to do. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to succeed. God is for you discovering your purpose. But He puts some things out. He says, I I want this for you. And this is how you get it. Seek. This is how you discover it. Abide. This is how you walk in it. Delight. So ask yourself, how am I seeking? How am I abiding? And how am I delighting? Because God is for you. God knows you. He knows the way you're wired. He knows your talents. He knows your gifts. He knows your ability. He knows you. Say, He knows me. me. Go to the right. Jeremiah chapter 1. How do we fulfill our purpose? Seeking is a part of it. Abiding is a part of it. Delighting is a part of it. Because He knows me. He knows the way I'm wired. He knows the way I'm gifted. But do I know that? Do you know why you're wired? Do you know how you're gifted? Do you know your strengths? Do you know your graces? You know, a good question, and I encourage you to write these down, a good question to ask yourself is, when am I at my best? Where, when I say that, when, when am I the most fulfilled? Where am I at when I have that sense of satisfaction? Who am I with? When I'm at my best. What do I feel? Yeah, we're not moved by our feelings, but when you're led by the Word of God, your feelings back up. They confirm. They work for you instead of against you. See, you've got to start learning yourself and you've got to ask yourself these things. Where am I at when I'm at my best? Who am I with when I'm at my best? What am I doing when I'm at my best? Think. How do I fulfill my purpose, because see, God builds in indicators in our life for us to pay attention to, just like on the dash of your truck or your car, to pay attention to that low fuel light, to pay attention to that overheating light. Those are, those are indicators to help your truck run properly, and these are indicators to help you fulfill your purpose. Yeah. Good. Good. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. Say, He knows me. In the Amplified, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I, I knew. Who, who knows? I, I knew and approved of you as my chosen instrument. And before, before, not after, before you were born, I separated and set you apart, consecrating you, and I appointed you, dot, dot, dot. I, I appointed you, I knew you before. I appointed you before. I consecrated and set you apart before. See, God did not allow you to show up on this earth and then create a purpose for you. He had a purpose before you ever showed up. But most people don't realize that God knows them. He knows your talents, your gifts, your desires, your dreams, your wiring. He knows everything about you. And He says, I knew you before. Before you even showed up, I knew what you were supposed to be doing while you were here But are we doing it? Uh, 
Go with me just to the right to Jeremiah 18. So one of our, our responsibilities is seeking. It's abiding. It's delighting. Realizing that God knows me, and if God knows me, He is the creator of heaven. He is the creator of earth. Revelation chapter 1 verse 8 says He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. He never starts something unless it's already finished. So everything you need and everything that it, it, it's required to help you fulfill your purpose upon the earth, it's already here. Jeremiah 18 Verse 1 says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord says, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he was working at the wheel. He was working at the wheel. You know the potter's at the wheel right now? As we're sitting here listening to his word, he's at the wheel. And the vessel that he was making from clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he made it over, reworking it into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter does, says the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. See, the word spoil means to alter from original intent. That even though we were created, this, this pot was created for a purpose. It was altered, spoiled from its original intent. But when the potter got a hold of it, you were created for a certain purpose. And before you knew Jesus, you were spoiled. You were separated from your covenant with God. You were separated from the goodness of God. You were separated. I mean, the goodness of God was there, but you weren't walking in it. From your purpose, your destiny, and everything that you're designed and created to do. But the day that you accepted Jesus and you surrendered your life to the Lord, you got back on the potter's wheel and He began to rework some things in your life. And you know that He even reworks your failures and your defeats and all your past hurts and pains. He reworks you because He has something for you to do and be and go and, and to accomplish while you're on this earth. But it's up to us to get on the wheel. It's up to us to discover what that is. It's up to us to abide, to seek, to delight. How are you doing with that? It's up to us to allow Him to rework. See, because every time we hear the Word, every time we're in the presence of God, and that Word hits our soul, and that Word hits our spirit, it's reworking some things. And when he, you know, just like last night, let, go with me to Isaiah 55. Last night, you know, the rain. Uh, I don't know if y'all got rain over here, but we did there in Weatherford. And this morning, a guy drove, drove on the, the freshly wet dirt and it left an impression. And see, that, that's what happens when you're sitting under the Word and you're sitting in the presence of God. The, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God begins to soften your, your way of thinking, begins to soften your heart, and there's moisture there. And He wants to leave an imprint in your heart and in your soul and in your mind so you can fulfill your purpose. Hallelujah. Come on. Isaiah 55. See, these are some very important truths right here. Verse 6 says, Seek the Lord while He may be in found. I'm going to read out the Amplified. Seek, inquire for, and require the Lord while He may be found, claiming Him by necessity and by right. Call upon Him while He is near. 
Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return. Let him return to the Lord and he will have love, pity, mercy for him and to our God for he will multiply to him his abundant pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from the heavens, picture this, and return not there again, but the water, the earth, and make it bring forth and sprout, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void without producing any effect useless, but it shall accomplish that which I please and purpose and purpose and purpose and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Where is God sending his word? He's sending it in your heart. He's sending it in your mind and it's sent for a purpose. God does everything with the purpose. When you open up the word of God, God is expressing his purpose and his purpose will get on you so you can fulfill your purpose. And what happens is he begins as, as, the, as the potter is, is working. And he says, okay, there's a trade-off that's taking, taking place. My thoughts, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my thoughts down here for you, Vic. He says, because my thoughts and your thoughts, they're not lining up. But I'm going to give you this word on purpose to bring your thoughts up to my thoughts. And if you bring your thoughts up to my thoughts, then your ways are going to line up with my ways. See, thoughts lead to ways. If I want to change my ways, I've got to change my thoughts. If I don't change my thoughts, I never change my ways. And he says, this is what's happening. Every time you hear the word, you're in the presence of God. Remember, and I want you to see this. God is sending his word into your heart on purpose. See, God made you on purpose so you could fulfill your purpose. And the word is softening your heart and softening your mind. And he's, there's a trade-off taking place. His, his thoughts for your thoughts, which will lead to his ways for our ways. I want his ways over my ways every day. How about you? So, it's, it's our job, our responsibility to seek, to abide, to delight, to come to the house and get on the wheel. And you can even get on the wheel every day at your house while you're seeking, abiding, and delighting. And allow. Allow what you were created to be and what you're created to do to come alive. Let it start to take shape on the inside of you first before it ever takes shape on the outside of you. How do we fulfill our purpose? It's always about relationship with God first and foremost. See, I wouldn't come to this chair and ask this chair, why, why, why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you here? Or the podium wouldn't ask the chair, why, why are you here? You know, if you want to know the purpose for something, you talk to the Creator. Come on now. And a lot of times we talk to people all the time of, why am I here? Come on. Why am I here? Yeah. Well, why am I here? Yeah, it's important to have the right people around you, but they're not your Creator. Come on now. Good. Preach it. 
Isaiah 45, verses 9 through 13. You can go to it in your own time. But it says that God is our maker. And does the creation ask the maker, what are you doing? Why don't I have handles? It says, does the pot ask the maker, why don't I have handles? And does that not represent us a lot of times? We spend all of our time on God. Why don't I have this and why don't I have that? Come on now. Instead of taking what we do have, finding out why we have it, and walking in it. Come on. That's it. So we abide, we seek, we delight. We commit, we trust, we go to the one who made us and ask, get his heart every time we're in the word, we're getting his heart and there's an exchange, his desires for my desires, his thoughts for my thoughts, his ways for my ways, there's a, there's a coming up on the inside, there's, now you can start to listen to those desires, now you can start listening to those passions, now you can start understanding the gifts and talents and strengths that you have because now you're thinking on a new level, now, now you're abiding and delighting and you're asking the one who created you why he created you the way why you're created. That's good. So, so what are some things you can look for? We, we already mentioned some of them, but your desires. Have you wrote down, have you located your desires in fulfilling your purpose? Because see, purpose is why you're here. I want to read the definition of, of purpose. The definition in Webster for purpose is the object for which something exists or is done with a specific end in view, not accidental, by design, intentional. I want to read it again. Purpose, the object for which something exists or is done with a specific end in view. Now notice, God made you on purpose with a specific end in view. Not accidental. God did... Now you might have been an accident to your mom and dad, but you were not an accident to God. By design. You were here by design. Intentional. 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 You have a purpose. How do I fulfill that purpose? By abiding, by seeking, by delighting, by going to the one who made me. It is about relationship. You've got to ask yourself, how bad do you want it? Because a lot of times people, they talk about, well, I'm miserable. I don't know here. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm a gift. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't. And have you spent time abiding, seeking, delighting? Have you spent time? He's put it down here for us. Have you spent time with the one who made you? Well, you just don't understand my time. You don't understand all this stuff I've got to do. You don't want it bad enough. Come on, Come on now. That's it. Because if you want something enough, you'll make time. Come on. Come on. How much do you want to be everything God has called and created you to be? How much do you want to know God? Some things to start locating and writing down do you know, what are your desires be real with yourself what are your desires not your mom and dad's desires come on that's it your friends desires the desires that god god has placed on the inside of you think with me i want you to go deep are those desires your parents desires are they your company's desires or are they God's desires? Because anybody else's desire will peter out when they're going to get tough. Excuse my French. If you don't understand what that is, that just means...
But see, your desire, it gives you fuel. Why? Here's another question. Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you working at your gift? Why are you working at your talent? Why are you doing what you're doing? You know, in the very beginning when God placed Adam in the Garden of Eden and He told him to work, the word work means to become. But a lot of times people go to jobs for a paycheck, but they're not really working. Because when you go to work out of purpose and destiny and assignment, you're becoming. There's a difference between working and a job. I work my tail off. My wife, you can ask my wife, I'm a worker. But I've spent time discovering who God is and discovering why He's wired me the way that I'm wired. And now every time I work, I'm becoming because decisions are made out of destiny instead of out of need. We've got to get to the place where we're not making decisions just out of need, but out of destiny. But this is where I've got to know myself. When am I at my best? Who am I with when I'm at my best? What am I doing when I'm at my best? What are the desires that God Himself has placed in me? Number two, know your passions. Go with me to John chapter 2. Know your passions. John chapter 2. How do I fulfill my purpose? And, And this is something that the Word of God is... We can't exhaust it. These are just things to get us going in the right direction. These are some things just to help stir us. Locate your passions, verse 13 of John chapter 2. Now picture this with me. Now the Passover of the Jews was approaching, so Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And there He found in the temple enclosure those who were selling oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers sitting there also at their stands. Now a lot of times, I don't know if you, but this is a picture that I had in my mind growing up or... Um, is Jesus just coming in here and just like a, a tornado. But that isn't what the Word is saying. He's painting a picture that He found them in this situation. He, in other words, He walked through the temple and He realized there were sheep in the temple and He realized there were ox in the temple and He realized they were selling dove in the temple and He realized that the guys were set up over here with their money, money changers. So He was taking inventory of the temple. How long has it been since you've walked through the corridors of your mind? And you've walked through the compartments of your heart and you've taken inventory. Why is this here? And why is that there? And why is that ox there? And why is that sheep? And I don't know if you've been around ox or you've been around sheep, but they just mess (laughs) wherever they want to. And some of you have some things that have just messed in your heart and in your mind, and you've let them. So after Jesus takes inventory, 
of the temple. In verse 15, And having made a lash, a whip of cords. Notice this, so he took time and he made this whip because he'd made a decision on the inside of him that this isn't right. And he drove them out. Drove them out of the temple enclosure, both the sheep and the oxen, spilling and scattering the broker's money and upsetting and tossing around their trays, their stands. Now notice this. He's, he is this. He is rearranging things. He's driving the ox out. He's driving the sheep out. He's throwing up the trays of the money changers. And then he stops. Can you picture being these two guys that were selling doves? Because, see, when you, you deal with somebody with passion, you deal with somebody with purpose, you deal with somebody who knows where they're going, why they're here, and what they're doing, they don't think like everybody else. They don't talk like everybody else. They don't believe like everybody else. And Jesus stops. And He says to the guys who are selling the dove, Take these things away. Get them out of here. Make not my father's house a house of merchandise, a marketplace, and a sell shop. And as he was doing this, now picture this, the disciples are over at the side, and his disciples remembered that it is written in the Holy Scripture, zeal, the fervor of love for your house will eat me up. Why? Zeal means intense enthusiasm. It means passion. In other words, Jesus said, my Father's purpose and my purpose consumes me to such a degree that I'm going to not allow things that should not be here. I'm not going to allow them to stay any longer. And see, there comes a time in your life that you've got to hold up your whip and you've got to tell that sin. You've got to tell that addiction. You've got to tell that lack. You've got to tell that sickness. You've got to tell that lack of self-control. Listen, I'm driving you out of my life. And your passion begins to eat you up. So then when you get up in the morning, you think from a standpoint of purpose. You walk from a standpoint of purpose. You do what you do because you're going somewhere created to do something of significance. But you've got to come to a place where your passion and your purpose eat you up. When you're working out, why do you work out? Because I love God and I love people. And what if this honing of your gift or honing of your talent or closing that deal or organizing or being an administrator of you operating in your gifts and strength, what if somebody's eternal destiny is connected to that? Why do you do what you do? Come on now. Because God loves people. And so should we. Come on now. And some of you tonight, you need to take that whip. Huh. I was asking the Lord, why did you do this? He says, Trey, because if I didn't protect my purpose and the purpose of my father's house, nobody else would have. And he was implying, if you don't protect your passion, if you don't protect your gift, if you don't protect your dream, if you don't protect your vision, if you don't protect what God has placed on the inside of you, nobody else will. Come on now. Come on. And he goes on in verse 
18, then the Jews retorted, What sign can you show us seeing you do these things? What sign, miracle, token, indication can you give us as evidence that you have authority and are commissioned to act in this way? In other words, who do you think you are? See, whenever you start abiding and seeking and delighting and you start thinking on new levels and you start walking in new ways, people will say, who do you think you are? Why do you think you can act this way? Who gave you the authority? God Almighty gave you the authority, but you've got to start embracing that authority and realizing you can overcome, you can win, you can be victorious, you can develop that skill, you can go where God has told you to go, you can do what God has told you to do. You and God are the majority, always. Who's given you permission to win? You've got to give yourself permission to win. Who's given you permission to overcome? You've got to give yourself permission to overcome. Who's given you permission to prosper? You've got to give yourself permission to prosper because God's already given it to you. So locate your desires. Locate your passions because there'll come a time when you start walking in your purpose and people will say, why do you do what you do? Who do you think you are? You can't keep going like that. You can't keep doing that. That's where you've got to know who you are and what God has placed on the inside of you. Go with me to Romans chapter 12. We're getting ready to be done. These are some things just to be looking for. Romans chapter 12. Verse 4. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function, so we being many are in one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. I'm going to read it again. Having gifts, and amplified, having gifts, faculties, talents, qualities that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So what are you looking for? You're looking for your desires. What are you looking for? You're looking for your passions. What are you looking for? You're looking for gifts and strengths and faculties and talents that flow naturally in your life. Because it's the grace of God in you and on you that allows you to operate and do what you do. God's grace is His supernatural ability in you and on you for you to be you. God wants us to know Him. And He wants us to be us because He has the world on His mind. He wants you to fulfill your purpose. And He says, says, if you'll just start seeking, if you'll just start abiding, if you'll just start delighting, if you'll just start taking inventory of coming to me and asking me and getting my heart and getting my mind and getting my motives. See, Philippians 2.13 says, It is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. His desires and amplified. It says it's Him in you, energizing you and giving you the power and desire to do what you're created to do. Come on now. Then you begin to look at your natural gifts and your natural strengths. What are some things I can do to fulfill my purpose? Locate my desires. Follow my passions. Um, notice my strengths. This is another good question to ask yourself. How would you describe yourself? What do you think your strengths are? What do those people closest to you think your strengths are? Write that stuff down. If you haven't ever taken time to locate your strengths, today is the day of salvation. You need to get moving. Other people are counting on the church to be us. Remember, he said, come to church and then go. You've got an assignment to do, so are you walking in it? If not, let's get going. Come on now. That's it. You've got a purpose to fulfill. Let's get going. Come on now. Luke chapter 16, verses 10 through 12. This is another key thing in 
fulfilling your purpose, uh, and I'll just paraphrase it, learning how to be faithful with another man's vision, learning how to be faithful with another man's revelation. He says, whenever you're faithful with another man's, when I, the reason I say revelation is because being faithful with another man's and being led by the Spirit of God, those are key things in fulfilling your purpose. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through 16, it says, Many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the mature, mature sons of God. So, in other words, because, and you've heard us talk about this before, God puts people in our life for us to follow. And as we can follow people we can see, it matures us so we can follow a God we can't see. Because we can make a God we can't see say anything we want Him to say. So God puts people in our life for us to follow and we take their revelation and we begin to eat on it, we begin to apply it, we begin to mature and grow. And now guess what begins to happen? Now you start getting your own revelation. And now it becomes real to you. And now you realize that God is for you. And God has forgiven you. And God has blessed you. And God has healed you. And God has prospered you. And God is on your side. And now instead of just following somebody else and just, okay, I, I don't know how to study or I don't know what to read. Now you have that desire. You have that passion to go after God. Now you're mature. Now you're being led by a God you can't see, by a spirit that is inside you. Come on now. That's it. So what are some indicators in fulfilling your purpose Following your desires, locating your desires, locating your passions, locating your gifts, your strengths, your talents, being led by the Spirit of God. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14, having wise counsel around you. But always remember, the counsel is not God. They're there to give you insight. They're there to share what God is saying in them. But as leaders in the body of Christ, we're not here to walk you towards our truth. We're here to help you discover your truth. You be you. Amen. You have a purpose. You have an assignment. You have a destiny. And tonight, some of you need to pull out your whip because you've walked through. As I've been talking here, the Holy Spirit's been, been showing you that there's ox in your heart and there's ox in your mind and there's sheep that are just roaming around. And I don't know if you've ever seen sheep poop before, but it's just little bitty pebbles. And it just gets everywhere. You'll remember it. Or cow poop before. You get that on you, you smell it for a while. But all kidding aside, that's what's happened in your life. You've had people mess on your dream. And tonight as we've been talking, the Holy Spirit's been putting together a whip. And He's saying it's time to drive that out of your thinking and drive that out of your heart. That it's time for you to protect what is precious to your Heavenly Father. And you need to know you're precious to your Heavenly Father. Your purpose is precious to your Heavenly Father. Your assignment is precious to your Heavenly Father. Don't you allow a mess to be in there any longer.